Hi and welcome to the Balanced Emotions Podcast with your hosts Dougie Scott and James Allison talking all things mental, physical, emotional and spiritual health. Hi and welcome to episode 3 of the Balanced Emotions Podcast. Today we are joined by Linda Allison who is a life, fitness and transformational coach and today we'll be talking about her current work and drive for healthy ageing women and people in general. So welcome Linda. Thanks very much Dougie, it's great to be your guest this afternoon. I'm really pleased that you've asked me to come along. Thanks. It's great to have you. Um, so we'll just get straight into it, Linda, really, and we'll start asking you some questions. Sure. So what is it that the people and our, our listeners need to know about what you do in health and fitness? Well, I've always been very, very passionate about fitness. And for the past 10 years, that has grown, evolved and deepened. And my fixation and research is around how women age and the management of energy within that. And again, even linking back to balanced emotions, all of these things that drive your psychology and your physiology as you're getting older. And so lots of my research has gone into trying to understand more about that. So, for instance, when my mother was the same age as me, because I'm 56. I looked at her and I thought, she, she was talking about being past it and being old. And I can just remember that day so clearly. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to be like that. When I'm 56, I'm going to be in great shape. And for some reason, I never ever forgot it. Because society, culturally, women have been, you know, made to believe that once you're past childbearing age or once you get to a certain age that you're done and you might as well go on the scrap heap. But it doesn't have to be that way at all. So if you, if you, if, if anybody who follows my work, you know, because I'm a you know, I'm a blogger, you know, I write mainly about the management of energy, looking after your body through, particularly through diet and through exercise. And the type of exercise that I look at is strength training. Because the older you get, the more important it is to stay strong. Because it's absolutely possible to regress ageing to an extent where you can feel as healthy or even healthier than somebody that's half your age, as long as you're able to manage it a bit more because it does take a wee bit more management in terms of your nutrition because you don't have the metabolism that, say, a 25-year-old has. You've had children, you're maybe menopausal, you're maybe perimenopausal. So all of that has to be taken into consideration. But if you're prepared to look at your nutrition if you're prepared to look at your exercises and if you're prepared to look at your balanced emotions, there is no reason on this earth why you cannot feel, look and be amazing. You don't need to be on any scrap heap. And so that's what drives me. That's my why in terms of whom I help within 
the fitness and health space. Wow, fantastic, Linda. Um, really well said, and I, I couldn't agree more when it comes to, I see a lot of times um, in the clinic, and people will put down all their kind of ailments and injuries happening to, oh, I'm just getting old. And this is coming from people that are maybe in their mid-30s, and it's all the age, it's, and, and, and it's, it's wrong, I think, having that mentality that, but just because you're getting on a bit, that that's it. You're on a steady decline. You know you can go out and do these active stuff. Get a transformational coach. It's going to help you get that mindset to stay young as you as you age. Yes, excellent, Dougie. Well said, my friend. Yes, we're very much in a, a culture, especially you know in in Britain and in Scotland. We were the the the, the old capital. Ill health capital of Great Britain, unfortunately, you know, so me and Doug are very passionate about, you know, that this podcast uh, and getting across to Scottish people in general as well, but, but, but everybody all over the world, because we have listeners from all over the world. So Linda, what, for, the, for, for the listeners, what is transformational coaching exactly? So transformational coaching is for healthy individuals so what I do is I take someone from where they are just now to where they want to be and that very much depends on their lifestyle it very much depends on their experience and very much the goals that they set because you've got to have outcomes so for instance somebody might come to me with a goal that's uh, just take something easy I want to lose a stone and that is a good smart goal. It may become unrealistic if they decide, they say to me, I want to lose it in a week. Okay, because that's not possible. Do you ever okay. get anybody that says that? Well, yeah. <laughs> what I do get is uh, one lady uh, that I've been uh, coaching for quite a while, and I remember our first meeting, she said, I want to look like a bikini model. And I said, Do you want yeah. to look like a bikini model? Okay. I said, that's fine. It's absolutely a goal that anybody can be, you know, anybody can do, anybody can be a, a competitor, a power lifter, whatever. But it takes a certain it takes a certain amount of discipline, it takes consistent, say well, nutrition, and it's what we'd known as a level three nutrition. So this is about living out of Tupperware boxes. This is about having these daily nutritional commitments that are solid. So this is us saying, yeah, do you, yeah, do you want to go out for your dinner? Oh, oh no, 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 I can't. I absolutely can't go because I've got to stick to this protocol because I want to look a certain way. So are you prepared to look at phase three nutrition for that? Well, what exactly is that? You know, I'll just explain... Uh, well, I don't know if I can possibly do that because I, I work full-time and I've got two kids and I'm married and oh, when I think about it, that's not going to be in balance for me. And so what you've got to try and understand is they're, oh, you've got to take that client through what, what their lifestyle actually is mm-hmm. and whether this goal that they've set is achievable. And part of being a transformational coach is to put these challenges down so is it when you do go out and you, you try and achieve that goal that you can actually do it yeah. and that it doesn't interfere with your life so much so that you're neglecting your children because you've got to be at the gym, you've got to eat this certain, you can't go out with your kids, you might have young kids that decide 
you know, that uh, they want to go somewhere and you can't you can eat with them. And they're like, oh, well, mummy, why, why can you not? You know, so these are like decisions which you can make, but you have to understand what the ramifications are going to be on the rest of your life. So then what we do then, what I would do then with a client is to then explore what might be a realistic goal. So we might get them to a level two. So that would maybe be through a series of resources that I would do that could change their body composition in a way that, you know, they're perfectly happy with. But they just, because they maybe start comparing themselves to somebody on social media or whatever, you know, they don't see what that how that person lives in order to achieve, you know, these things because they're they're, they're highly disciplined and you need constant consistency so you actually sometimes find out that people have to try and set goals you know they really want to do it like overnight we have this now factor that we all live you know we, we you know with the phones we, we tap the phones we like the, the dopamine hits 24 7 you know but everything we seem to be doing seems to be you know part of that that now factor and the reality between the imagination and reality, mm-hmm. if people I see a lot of people getting stuck between between that. And when you see well especially first time people who come to coaching me and we're all coaches in this room, me Dougie and Linda, mm-hmm. is they they understand uh, what people's expectations is <laughs> when they actually come in and they're rather highly set. Other than, you know, they're not really reality. I have to get them to understand that it's a kind of imagination, which is great, but really, in reality, you know, it's a different thing. It needs to fit in with their actual daily life. You know, you can't just forget about the the school run or your job. That's right. Well, the space that I'm in, you know, the fitness and health space, you you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. that looks to try and sell you instant gratification. So seven days shred, Mm -hmm. 30 day this, 60 day that, you know. But transformational coaching would try and set you a realistic goal. So even looking at business, you know, even like smart goals, which evolve from the business world, very much fit into transformational coaching as well. Mm -hmm. And it is actually one of the models that I would use with someone. Is it specific? Is it measurable? It, can you, you know, is it, can you actualise it? Is it realistic? And can you get it in the time that you want? Mm-hmm. You know, so whereas that person might have thought, oh, well, they might think twice about, well, I don't really want to be a bikini model after all. <laughs> I'm not saying they might want to be, but yeah, yeah. it gets you to think, is that what I really want? Or do I just want to look a bit better and feel yeah. a bit better? Because there's so many other things that we can do. Yes. Yeah, perfect, Linda. So, like James was touching on as well, um, we live in a society that everything's instant. Social media, I think that'll be what you're battling against a lot is, like you said, these, uh, you know, 14-day shreds, detoxes, all these things that people are selling that are just not, they're not a lifestyle, they're not long-term, they're not sustainable. And I think what you're trying to get is transformational coaching is giving people the skills to keep this on. Um, so you mentioned at the start um, about strength training. So how is having strong muscles uh, so important um, when you're working during anti-aging? 
Well, Dougie, as you'll know, having had me as a client, <laughs> sometimes they get a bit tight and yeah. you've got to come and get your acupuncture, and I have to say, which has been hugely successful. And I might, I've been practicing my exercises Good. and might fall into the one and done category. <laughs> so, excellent. So, strength training is something that I've always been fascinated with because if you look after your muscles, they will look after you because that's what holds you up at the end of the day. And often when, you know, I say to people, what do you think is the number one thing that puts people into a home? You know, and you get all these different ideas about it. But it actually is that somebody cannot get off a toilet seat. Yeah. So they can't take oh, care of themselves because their their muscles can't hold them up any longer. Do you see a lot of that, Linda, you know, in a lot of the, the ageing clients that you're seeing or the classes that you teach? Uh, you know, I know you were a gym instructor as well and you, and you, you take at least 40 to 50 clients at a time before lockdown, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you seeing that? What I actually see is that the females and males that are, you know, and actually, I've seen an older demographic in the gym now as well, really trying hard to maintain their strength and their power. Because it is about the transmission of energy. And that's what keeps you... So if you've got an exhausted physiology and an exhausted psychology, you will wake up exhausted in the morning. Mm-hmm. But when you train your physiology and your muscles are absolutely key to that, then you're going to wake up a lot brighter in the morning. You're going to have that energy to keep going. And it's doing good strength training that absolutely helps with that. Now, there's different fields of thought about strength training, but I always say find something that you love doing because if you hate it, so if you think you can go into, you know, you're going to go into the gym and you're looking at people, you know, at the weights, maybe a lot of women are put off by that. I mean, I, I just go up and, you know, lift weights and, you know, I like free weights because free weights will strengthen you from nothing wrong with machines, but machines make you better at machines. Mm-hmm. And so... So just to touch on that, do you, are you a big advocate for more functional movements? For people, rather than, you know, getting isolating certain muscles, you know, like you said, the, the elderly people that end up in homes are people that can't get off the toilet seat. So you want people to do that functionality. You want people to do that movement. So are you an advocate for doing that type of movement in the gym as well? Uh, absolutely, Dougie. Because just like any other forms of exercise, strength training has to have a flow as well. So what you want to do in good strength training, especially if you're ageing, is that neurologically you want to work all the bigger muscle groups first. So you'd maybe so you you want to wait maybe to do your bicep curls at the end sort of thing. But you want something to flow. You don't want to start doing your deadlifting at the end. You want to do all your big movements first. What I'm a big advocate as well of is uh, intervals that strengthen muscles. So maybe James and I will go to the gym and we'll do. Uh, four exercises like complex type muscle strengthening exercises that 
change your physiology. So like for today, we've got a day off because what we did yesterday can be quite intense. But most of these workouts that I do have a flow about them. And I, po I post them up regularly so people can see what, you know, I'm done. So like yesterday, what we did was we started with the, we would normally do walking lunges, but because we can't either static walking lunges, so we do 10 in each leg, then change that into a plyometric lunge, but obviously regress that back if somebody couldn't do the plyometric lunge. Then I'll do my front loaded dumbbell squats, maybe do 20 of them, and then 20 burpees, that sort of thing. So neurologically, it's got a flow about it. It gets a sweat up. You're getting the intensity. You can feel the burn. You've got that heat within the muscles. So I'll maybe do that four times over for time. Today, I wouldn't do anything yeah. except maybe stretching. Great. So, yeah, it's, it's really the kind of primal part and movements that, that we're supposed to do, like your lunges and squats. Because I personally, if I go to the gym, this is before COVID and everything, and you saw someone that is a bit older, they'd be sat on, you know, one of these machines isolating stuff. But I like that, that you're a big advocate for getting people actually moving how we're supposed to move and obviously loading the tissues to keep the strength. Do you see a lot of that too, Dougie, in the clients that are coming in for treatment? Yeah, all the time. I th I've been asked this question a lot, like what, what do I see the most or what's the biggest cause for people to be on the table for me? And it is by far um, the lack of exercise. So being sedentary too much um, or just sat at desk works, things like that. Right. These are the people that I see the most. Um, so yeah, we really need to get out there moving and I, I totally agree with what, what Linda's saying um, with uh, the functional movements of people. We... You should be doing that rather than just in the gym trying to get big biceps, let's say. Yeah. Um, so what about uh, food, Linda? I know you're um, an avid cook. Um, follow you on Instagram and see all your delicious meals. <laughs> but I know as we age, we um, we go through a bit more uh, catabolism. So we lose muscle mass. So would you say, you know, looking after your macronutrients, like yeah, upping your protein and things like that for, for as you age? Um, but what's your what's your take on that? What I would always say to somebody who is looking after their nutrition is to find food that satisfies you, that nourishes you, that makes you happy. The type of so you'll you'll, you'll see for my posts that I will put up everything and yeah, most of my food is based on a good I mean, obviously. I'll use macronutrients, but like you know, proteins, wee bit of carbs, because they're all really important. Loads and loads of vegetables. I use absolutely loads. I mean, I might get a salad bowl and spend the day eating that, and also a little bit of hunger, is part of the process. Yeah. You know, so what I teach. So if somebody comes to me for transformational coaching through their food, is that, um something called Moderation 365. So it's eating to satisfaction. That's what we're doing. So to the, you're 80% full. So we're building up mindfulness. We're building up motivation. We're building up an abundance mindset, but we're sticking to these daily nutritional commitments. So my daily nutritional commitment would be to make sure that I get enough protein as well for me. And that could be, I might have a couple of eggs in the morning, 
so say yesterday, a couple of eggs in the morning, I might have um this really sometimes we have a salad for lunch that would have a bit of protein in it as well, but loads and loads of vegetables. Yeah. Loads of them. Sometimes I can put six, seven portions into one bowl. Um and then again it'll be protein and vegetables. But a, a huge variety. Yeah. But that doesn't stop me. So if James says, let's go to uh, Pizza Express. I go sure, because I know that because I'm able to look at an eighty twenty rule in terms of I am full, so I notice when I'm full. So that means that I can go anywhere. I can eat seven days a week. So that doesn't mean to me that I could. Uh, oh my God! It's the weekend. I'm going to kick the arse out of this because on Monday I'll be back in deprivation again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the kind of yo-yo dieters that do and you touched on um, the mindfulness would you recommend mindfulness eating so maybe not doing it in front of the tv maybe not eating whilst you're driving and all this stuff actually sit and take in what you're actually eating and you're going to then feel fuller because you're realizing what you're actually taking in Uh, absolutely so if you think about the grab and go culture so for instance, today, I've not been able to get my lunch and I've been in Tesco's and things like that, but there's nothing there that would kind of serve me, but I can look and go, well, I can go to Costa and get a coffee and look at all the food that's there and go, I'm good, I feel okay, because I've, I've obviously learned to tap in to myself. But as soon as if I felt my blood glucose levels going down, you know, because I'm looking at biofeedback signals in myself. So what I'm looking at is hunger, energy, cravings. So if I feel my energy going down, if I feel like I'm, I'm having a craving, which would be coming from my head rather than my belly, yeah. I'm able to tap into those things. And these are the things that I teach yeah. females who are being yo-yo dieters because the outcome from deprivation is overindulgence. So if you think about it, that's why diets don't work long term. But what the, the, the transformational coaching that I do means that I can get you to a space where you can look back and you'll never go back to that sort of lifestyle again because you understand what it feels like to eat moderately. You understand when you're 80% full so that's not stuffed or starving. So when we're talking about emotions and balanced emotions as part of what we're talking around about the podcast is about is focusing on that people and I'm I'm not what to really target females in general but I hear it from a lot of my, my, my female clients that it, it's a <laughs> how do I word this it's the feeling that they don't understand the feeling of is it anxiety or is it hunger pain you know and they seem to just keep on thinking it's hunger when really it's anxiety and it's just trying to get you know, get them to, to, to separate that, just like you said, Linda, is it the, is it the mind or the, or the body? That's, that's very true. Because if somebody has been in a deprived state, they become really anxious because what they're looking for is all the thing, all the obsess about is when's the next, uh, when can I have the next load of their calorie counting? You know, when can I have the next calorie? When's my next time for eating? You know, if they're on this timed eating thing, you know, or when's it Saturday again? Because then I can just go and blow, blow, have a blowout. So it absolutely can be anxiety. 
so that I was talking just saying there, it can be that grab and grow, grab and go culture, mindless nibbling. So, do you shut your kitchen at night, or do you just keep nibbling? Because we've had instances we've got three grown up children and they're all out working, and we have them coming in with moans and complaints and the fact that they've been they see the doctor and we're kind of astounded. You know, we look at them and we think, what? Why? Uh, and often they come back and saying, "Oh, you're right, mum. You're right, dad." And even you know people close to you sometimes don't actually see it. You know what I mean? They actually believe someone else other than you know somebody who's too close to them. You know because they're thinking that you're just mum and dad. You just got to say the right thing. But really, in general, that we're, we're functional medicine practitioners as well. So we need to know what we're talking around. So do you find that as well, Dougie, with the clients? Is your clients coming in asking you? your mixture of I feel this way when when they're on the table yeah all the time I think when you get people in on the table normally they're in pain anyway um, and a lot of it is they don't know how to deal with their emotions um, and when they're, and they're, and they're, they're basically the trapped emotions are, are shown as, as pain or discomfort somewhere and quite a lot of them end up overweight and are suffering some kind of mental health issues and it comes out that you know they're eating because they're anxious or depressed and this is the kind of soother that they do so i really really like what what um uh, linda's doing as a long term um is going to help a lot of people and not just these calorie counting or people wasting money on these diet shakes and things like that it really is how we should be, and we, and we've we've spoke about this a lot, James, with with these new documentaries on, uh, social media and oh, things. Everything is instant, so even when it comes to any type of health, um, or weight loss, people want it instantly, and they don't want to have to do the work and look inwards. And I think that's what you were touching on a lot there, Linda, was actually understanding your physiology, mm-hmm. and your psychology, and knowing when you're. Not stuffed full, but when you are satisfied and I'm good, and then it's then it comes into that self control and discipline that you can go out to your pizza express with James and not have the pizza, but just have the couple of slices or a slice and say I'm good. I'm that's that's me, um. Because I know personally I've been guilty of that in the past. I could be, I've dieted a lot for my uh, during my fighting career, and because I deprived myself so much with food I binged like nothing else and I can still lapse back into that behaviour I've got to admit it can be if I have been good say all day with my nutrition and then I have a piece of chocolate say I end up turning that into a binge at night and I know I know my listeners will be able to say I'm the the exact same with this I can't just have all have a wee four squares of chocolate or something, which would be fine, you know, moderation in your 80 20 rule. But I would have that four squares of chocolate and then the whole bar would be gone, you know. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, definitely it'll help a lot of people. I think we are all kind of can get caught up in this culture of no. quick thinking, not enjoying the journey, just want to be at the outcome straight away. Well, what I would add to you about the chocolate, okay, because chocolate's absolutely delicious and we love chocolate. And I, I, 
I mean, I've maybe only met a few people in my life that don't like chocolate. They love chocolate. But the thing about that is if you, what I would teach you there is if you do start with a couple of, a couple of squares and you go and end up and eat the full bar or you eat the whole pizza, it's done. What you don't want to do is attach a negative thought to that because so, that's what makes it, that, that's what gives it the charge because then you'll go, my God, I shouldn't have done that. I'm absolutely a waster. I'm no good. I'm never going to be any better at this. Oh, well, to hell with it. I might as well just go and indulge and indulge and indulge and indulge because I'm no good anyway. But if you have that chocolate or you have that, you eat that whole pizza or that whole packet of crisps, that's it, done. It's, it's done. You've done it, that's it. Don't attach anything negative because it's that thought that drives the behaviour. Yeah, it's funny you say that. That's definitely how you do feel, love. Yeah, I've had that. You eat the full chocolate bar and you're like, why did I do that? I feel terrible <laughs> now and all this. And, and before you know it, that one binge has turned into you then have a naughty breakfast the next day or something. And you can get into almost a cycle of self-loathing and negative self-talk that before you know it, you're on almost a week-long binge of junk food just for that tiny little bit of dopamine hit, but then massive uh, drops and, and almost into a, a slight depression, almost. And this is where it can spiral out with your mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can de- definitely... So I would just, you know, obviously teach my clients how to... You know, I would obviously look at... You know, I would do a questionnaire and assess how much food obsession they've got because some people don't even realise, you know, maybe I've got a, a lady just now who, so what her mum used to do was she would come in from school and her mum would take out the box of chocolates and she'd go, right, you can have one box of chocolate, you can have one chocolate and then I'm going to put the lid on and the chocolates are going to go back in the cupboard. So she's very much a restrictor. So when this wee girl got into her teenage years and she got tuck shop money, so that was, she, that you would go you go with that at school. She would basically spend it on pastries because she knew when she went home that her mother would restrict her again. So she would just be spending all her tuck shop money on sweets and rubbish. And she never ever unlearned this behaviour. And so we've sat down and we've had to unpick that together. And now we're just at that stage where we're she's building up tiny wee atomic habits now that she's starting to implement to build up that mindfulness and that motivation to stop her overindulging. Because now she's worked out where the root of that is. And sometimes it is a root. Somebody that I know, when she sat down at the, the, the dinner table, another client, her mother and father would argue constantly. Mm-hmm. So she would go away into her room with a box of marshmallows, and that's where she got the comfort. We were talking about, you know, she yeah. became a comfort eater. Me, myself, I... When I was at school back in the 70s, there was a thing called the Mars Bar Diet. And basically we tried that, but that's where I learned how to restrict. So I've been more of a restrictor than an overindulger. Yeah. And so much as that my energy has been absolutely depleted because I've been far too thin. So that has really quite severe effects as well. So I've had to try and get me to match. So if I'm under any stress whatsoever, I don't eat. Because it makes me uh, feel sick. So I've had to unlearn that type of thing. And that's where that goes back to. So just even finding out yourself, where where could I have got some of my food behaviours from, you know, and and build a better relationship with food. Mm. 
Because a lot of us become up with low limiting beliefs, you know, from their past childhood, their cultures, their parents, you know, the the schools and places we went to. I had a client another day there and uh, just first time I seen him and I was just saying, you know, hi, you know, what's on your mind today? And he just said, oh, I'm, I'm being depressed. You know, I'm depressed every day and blah, 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 and on and on and on. And I just thought... I says, uh, what's your normal routine? I says, what's your, what's, what do you do when you get up in the morning? Talk, talk me through your, your normal routine. And, and right away, he just said, oh, well, I take that a can of energy drink in the morning and uh, I just try and get a bite to eat out of the machine when, when I get to work. And, and he, he just went on and on and on. And I was just thinking every bit of food he was actually putting in his whole Thing that his body was just junk food all, all day, and I, and I was like, uh, again, it's, a, it's an education and it's a knowledge. You know, knowledge is a precursor to life, and it's just understanding that, that there's so much information out there, but people just still don't get it in a sense. You know, that, that, that they are what they eat, uh, and, and medicine and, and neuroscience is now finding that out 101% now, you know. So, a new neuroscience research paper came out yesterday to say that d- d- uh, dementia is now two diseases, not one. It's a disease of the brain and it's a disease of the gut. Yeah. Now, we've been saying that for, in functional medicine for years mm-hmm. uh, and now uh, they're finding that as an actual fact now, uh, that dementia is both two diseases, not just one. So it's actually, you know... We're, we're, the research, and I'm glad these guys are doing that out there, and we're trying to, us as, 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 as health practitioners also, is trying to get this across through podcasts and things that it is very invaluable to, to, to eat properly, you know, not to have a diet, don't even mention the word diet, mm-hmm. and live your life, but it's about what you eat, yep. not how much you eat. And I think, you know, I think, Dougie, you, you're getting that from the clients also, my friend. Yep. Yeah, definitely. With my holistic lifestyle coaching, we talk about um, the quality that you're eating. For we're a, a big pusher of organic meats and uh, things, so that we're, we're uh, stopping the ingestion of pesticides and herbicides and stuff from cheap meat. And especially, this is going to be even more so now that um, I believe we've just signed a a deal to to get the chlorinated chicken imported from America. Um, now that we're leaving the EU. So I'm a massive advocate for eating organic meat so you know that the, you know, because if you think about it down the chain, you are what you eat, but you're also what you eat eats, if you get me. So they're eating healthy plants, what they're designed to eat, and the healthy plants are getting healthy soil and uh, healthy microorganisms in the soil, not, you know, with poisons, herbicides, fungicides, all that stuff. Yes. And it just goes up the chain and we ingest it. And just like you were covering there, James, uh, with the, the dementia, there's so many things getting linked now to the gut microbiome and the healthy gut. As we know, it's the second brain. And things like fibromyalgia, all these chronic diseases or chronic illnesses that have seemed to came, come from nowhere, to be honest, um, are now getting linked to the microbiome and the, the the gut bacteria. So back to you, Linda, I just want to ask you a question. So what is the one thing that your coaching programs do for your clients that you didn't expect? I think the one thing that I didn't expect was that 
my clients wanted to work with me for so much longer than I had ever anticipated. I've got one client that's worked with me for the past two years and this has been consistent, but the change in her has been absolutely phenomenal. I really and truly. So that was that's been one of the, the biggest thing that the programme I know works. I know that people are actually clients are actually getting the transformations that they're coming from coming for and they're staying with me and they're working with me and they come out of my life and they go out my life and they come back but they're always coming back so maybe they might have a wee bump in the road again and they'll come back into my life and you know they'll get a wee bit help a wee bit tweak on that and then they're back on the road again so coming in and out so that's been a really nice um after effect yeah. of working with that that you know, I'm getting like they're coming back to me. So that that's been our long term. Yeah. So that must they must have a lot of trust in you and also enjoying the energy that you're you're giving them and the knowledge that you're passing on. Um again it's this grab and go thing, consumerism, that people come for a product which is maybe your coaching and they're wanting the quick fix and gone. But it's good that they're you know, they're coming back and seeing the value in it. You know, they might hit a road bump, but can also come back. And I think this is, in, in any any type of coaching, really, it is a, a long-term thing. Yes. And you'll get, if you, you'll get what you put in yes. out of it. Absolutely. Definitely, Absolutely. definitely. And that's, uh, I, thoroughly, I thoroughly explain that to my clients to say that that, that, that is the case, you know, that, that it's not the here and now factor. Uh, I've not got a magic X button where they come in and the, the gold dust falls from the ceiling. <laughs> uh, you know, it's if they want to put in the work, then they'll get X amounts out of it, and if they don't, they won't. So what is the biggest transformational uh, role under that your clients can find about themselves can find yes the fact that they can work from the inside out to really look fantastic on the outside and that all comes from how you are inside that's the greatest transformational is about the mindfulness, the motivation, the abundant mindset and getting these daily nutritional commitments plus the exercise to go with it. Good, fantastic. So what's the best tip for making Scotland a healthier place to live? I think just what Doogie was saying earlier, we are, Scotland is basically getting very sedentary, but man is gregarious Females are gregarious. We are we originate from the savannas. That's how we looked at. Your body was meant to move, so you need to get out and move it. Perfect. So I just want to finish off by saying thank you very much, uh, Linda. And where can our guests find you if they are want to get in touch for any transformational coaching or if they want to follow you on social media to see your fantastic cooking as I do? Um, if you just tell us where we can find you. Uh, you can find me on www.mrsallison.com. That's if you want to follow my blog. I send that out every week. It normally comes out on a Tuesday. I, I usually do that on a Monday. It comes out on a Tuesday. You can follow me on Instagram at Alisol. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-L. And on Facebook at My Brilliant Beyond. Perfect. Thank you very much, Linda. So 
that is it for this episode. Um, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we are doing, please share this episode, subscribe, or even leave a review over on iTunes. That's all for now, but we'll see you on the next episode of the Balanced Emotions podcast.